This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. It doesn't matter what job you're up against. Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment have the power for you to get the job done faster and easier. The PowerShare 20-volt batteries run longer on a single charge, and they can be used with other tools. Check out Menard's entire selection of works, cordless power tools, and lawn equipment. Plus the weekly flyer today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Good afternoon. Welcome in on The Mark. My name is Mark Carmen. You are Jake Valerius. Last day of the NBA regular season tanking comes to an end today. The playoffs are coming to Jake Valerius. But I, I, I want to start with tanking. I think it's a significant issue for the NBA, and I have a solution. So I, first off, I know that you're not – you think the tanking is fine, correct? Yeah, I, I just don't see what the problem really is. It's not like we have a shortage of interesting storylines in the NBA. You know, I could list off a whole ream of things that are keeping fans interested, not least this playoff race in the West where we got make-or-break games tonight for the Nuggets and Timberwolves. Right, which is sweet because those teams are actually trying to win games. Teams trying to lose, the NBA does not want that. Adam Silver is not in favor of guys of you going out there and doing your absolute best to lose games, right? They don't. That's, I, that's, I, I mean, I would reject that characterization a little bit. I don't think the guys on the floor are trying to lose. You know, you, you can't tell me that some of these, you know, take the Bulls, for example, Zach Levine, Chris Dunn. These are young NBA players trying to prove themselves in the league. They're playing hard for their next contract to get noticed you know, to be, to earn respect in the NBA. And so while the team are certainly making decisions that maybe aren't maximizing their potential, these individual players on the floor each night, they're going for it, man. They're trying hard. Right. But if the teams, first of all, a lot of those guys like Chris Dunn, who you mentioned exactly, and they've been sitting out with injuries. I I mean, if it mattered, they'd be on the court, but they're not because they're tanking. So we're trying to lose. If, if, if the end, if look, if Mark Cuban, could go out right now and sign me and you to play guard for the Dallas Mavericks. If that was legal, he would do it. I mean, he's been he's been saying all season long, we are trying to lose. This, if you're a season ticket holder and you're coming out to see the Dallas Mavericks or the Chicago Bulls, John Paxson, Gar Form running the show there, you you want to see them actually compete. You don't want to see them try to lose. The Suns. Phoenix just clinched the worst record in the league, right? Josh Jackson and company, they just clinched the worst record in the league. 
And then they go out and they beat the Dallas Mavericks 124 to 97. Like that just smells bad. It's 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 ugly. They, the NBA does not want that. I, I agree with that, but I, but again, when when we try to explain what exactly it is about tanking that bothers us so much, we sort of resort to these kind of vague general feelings, like ah, it feels wrong that a team's not trying. It, you know, it, it doesn't pass the smell test. But the NBA is flourishing, you know, and it's not as if these teams making some of these decisions is depriving us of watching great basketball. If the Suns tried everything they could to win this season, they'd have won what? five more games they're not a good team and they're tanking for a reason and that reason is to make themselves a good team in the long run right but okay but there's too much incentive to tanking so like teams will build bad they'll get rid of capable players to have really bad players so they'll lose lots of games like the Suns probably could have had a better roster maybe they would have won 10 more games and actually been a viable team for the season rather than a complete disaster file Memphis under that umbrella as well or into that cabinet as well here here's here's what I want to do okay I want to I, less incentive to tank this is what this is how I would do it roughly I'm, I'm still working out the fine details of this Jake but what I would do is you take everyone in the league every single team and however many losses you have Suns with 61 Memphis has 59 Houston with 16 that's how many balls you get in the NBA lottery in my in my retanking CARM platform. Everyone, 61 losses, 61 balls. 59, 50, so you still have more likelihood. Probability is on your side, okay? Then, instead of, like right now, the NBA is switching their tanking rules from, like 20, Phoenix has a 25% at the number one. Worst case scenario, they'll draft four. Next year, it moves to worst case scenario for a team is five. But you can't drop out of the lottery. In in my scenario, Phoenix or who's ever number one, you can drop all the way to 15. Like, it's way less you, – because you, you know, like, okay, worst-case scenario, I'm picking fifth. Like, I'm still – I still feel okay, comfortable, we're going to have a terrible season. And the other problem is the NBA – you only have two rounds in the draft. You know who the best players are. It's not like the NFL seven rounds and you can get your standard whatever Tom Brady late round pick who turns into arguably the greatest pick of all time. That doesn't happen in the NBA. There's 40 rounds in baseball, you know, 38 round picks. And the NBA, on the whole, you know who's going to be good. So I, you need less incentive to be bad. And if you're all the way, like, I don't want, like, the Houston Rockets to move all the way up to one, but I would say they could move up to, say, 20. And a first-round loser could move all the way up to, say, 15, something like that. So you'd, I just want, you can, the, the bad teams, you can fall down farther, and the teams that are actually in can, can move up. Not all the way, but can, like, if you're a first-round loser, maybe, I don't know, 12, something like that. Basically balancing it out. So there's, so you are going to have more of a likelihood, but there's a lot less chance. So so you just want to decrease the likelihood that the worst team in the NBA I, wins the lottery. I want, I want everyone in the league, and I think Adam Silver wants everyone in the league trying to win every night. The, see, the problem with that to me is if you institute bat, so say the teams that don't make the playoffs are the only teams that could finish with the first pick after the lottery, however you decide to do the lottery. If we make that sort of limitation and we decrease the likelihood that the worst team in the NBA wins the lottery, to me, the, the bad side of that is potentially teams who are sort of on the bubble of trying are going to say, well, hey, why don't we just drop down because now we have a higher likelihood of winning? You know, if I'm 
whatever if i'm the nets who are the what seventh worst eighth, team in yeah. basketball eighth yeah. worst team in basketball right the nets you know they're coming into the last few months of the season and they're saying oh we've got a so-so chance of winning the lottery why don't we you know we got nothing to play for we may as well you know the the incentive is still there for them to increase their chances of winning right the the more losses they have the more likely it is they win the lottery and not only is that the case but if there's less likelihood that any one like no any one team loses or wins the lottery then it increases the likelihood that teams are be like, all right, well, we still may as well just maximize our chances. Right, but it's one ball. Like if you lose fifty six games, you get fifty six balls. You get fifty seven, and maybe I would, maybe like I, I, you get the mathematicians, or maybe you would multiply it out by like four times. But it's not a huge incentive. At the end but, of the day, the biggest is, incentive is, is to win. But it is still an incentive. If if Brooklyn at at whatever point it is that Brooklyn realize they're not going to make the playoffs which in their case is probably going to be pretty early because they're not that good of a team, the incentive becomes to lose basketball games. This is, this is what frustrates me about the debate, right? There is no way to eliminate the incentive to tank without removing the rule that says the worst teams get the best picks. But There is no way to do it. As long as we give better picks to worse teams, there is an incentive to lose basketball games. But it's too right now it's 25%. You can lower it down a lot. I think watering it down doesn't really change much for me. If we're turning a bunch of 60 lost teams into a bunch of 56 to 58 lost teams... Right, I don't. Still, I don't care. That I, does not mean anything right, to me. I, I still, it hasn't improved the quality of basketball. It hasn't meant that the people shelling out to go watch, you know, the Mavericks play this season, have is, has it really made any difference to these people's experience? These teams are. There's only a yeah, finite but, number of wins in a given season. A lot of teams are going to be bad just because of the natural talent distribution of, of talent around the NBA, and. You know, these sort of marginal gains, which are largely superficial as I'm as far as I'm concerned, are not going to result in an increase in the quality of basketball that would make any meaningful difference to anybody who actually cares enough about basketball yeah. to watch already. Right. But at the end of the day, and we'll move on here, but the, at the end of the day, the NBA wants their teams competing. And in, in my I think the NBA is in total. I think they're deluded. I think they need to accept the fact that this is but the consequences don't... of how they work. And, you know, we'll get on to this in a minute. But tanking has given us some of the best stories in the NBA this season, the Philadelphia 76ers, chief among them. This team, which is one of the most exciting in the NBA, and we'll get onto that in a minute, but they exist because they tanked. Yeah, they, but they, right, but they absolutely were atrocious for year after year after year, and the, the NBA just doesn't want it. One other cool story, by the way, from the tanking thing is that uh, the L.A. Lakers brought up my guy, Andre Ingram, 32 years old. Hey, man, you can play the last two games of the year because we don't care. This guy, he's the 10 years in the G League, scored 19 points the other night, which is an incredible story for the, the oldest rookie to make his debut since at least 1964. I love that See? story. See, tanking is great. Oh, well. Well, it's, it, the NBA does not want I think I just gave a, a halfway decent solution for you. I, okay. I, yeah. All right, topic two for the show here. The, let's let's talk about how everything is turning up LeBron James right now. You've got the Golden State Warriors are getting smoked by Utah. Steph Curry's going to miss the first round of the playoffs. Who knows what he's going to be when he comes back. Kyrie Irving, done for the year. He threatened that he was going to have this knee surgery if he had stayed in Cleveland. He goes to Boston, gets his way out of town, 
but then he can't make it through the season. So now the Celtics, who already lost Gordon Hayward, are not a threat in the East at all. The Toronto Raptors are your best team. Every time the Cavaliers play them, they, they wallop them. And then, you know, in the West, okay, Houston, but does anybody really even believe in the Rockets come playoff time that they're going to do this? So I, to me, like, everything's turning up LeBron. This is the ideal scenario. They reworked the team for him. They're better now. I think LeBron and company borderline the favorite going into the playoffs right now. I disagree. I think they're the favorites in the East for sure. For, for sure. For all the reasons you said. Toronto's just a bad matchup for them. Uh, in turn, like Toronto did not match up well with the Cavs. And so while uh, I think Toronto are, you know, give them credit. Like I do think they've improved this year in ways people didn't really see coming. They're always kind of an afterthought. But, you know, they could win 60 games this season. If they win tonight, I think they could win 60 games, right? That's yeah. a big big achievement, good for them, but their they're, biggest strengths are what? They're, they're super deep, they've got a really good bench, and they're really good on D. I mean, Van, that's, that's not going to work against LeBron playing 40 minutes a night in the playoffs. Right, Fred Van Fleet could be the sixth man of the year, but that's, it's yeah. not going to play it, it isn't. When, the, when your rotations get short. Like, the last thing LeBron is fearing right now is the Toronto Raptors, or I think anyone in the Eastern Conference. Now, I, I would say that the team he fears the most in the East are the, are the you think, Sixers. You think Philly? Yeah. Okay, right. So now you've got a rookie in Ben Simmons going up against LeBron in the playoffs. You've got Joel Embiid, who may or may not stay healthy for the playoffs. And again, this is a totally inexperienced Sixers team going up. Yeah, I but just, I mean, you can't, the, you can't the Cavs it. have significant health issues too. So I think we we treat it as everybody who's healthy now is going to be playing. So we're saying Joel Embiid is ready to go. Simmons is ready to go. And what Joel Embiid has shown over his injury riddled career so far is that when he's on the court, even if he's just coming back from an injury, he's unbelievably good. So you know, add JJ Redick in there, add Sarge. You know, I, that's a really really cool team, and I'm. I'm I'm hoping that they stay four and five and they play each other in the in the first round because that is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I 100% agree. That would be a great matchup. And but it, what probably is going to end up happening is the Cavs end up with a three seed. They get the the dog meat Celtics in round two, and then they're just just waltzing into the finals. And we'll see how Steph comes back. I, look, I think you're being too dismissive of both Houston and the Warriors. Steph is going to miss the first round. Okay. All indications suggest he's going to be back for the second round. The finals is not doesn't start till June, late May. That's a month, month and a half from now. That's a long time for him to get back up to speed, for the Warriors to adjust into playoff mode. And by the way, even without Steph, the Warriors are a better team than the Cavs. I don't think so. Not without Steph. Steph makes that engine go. If Steph's not playing, Golden State is not winning that series. He changes the whole dynamic of that team. It's just it's it's he he's much better, don't get me wrong, but I still think we've been kind of lulled into a false sense of security with the Golden State Warriors. The same thing that happened to us with the Cavs last season. They just completely limped over the finish of the regular season. They weren't trying, they didn't care. It looked ugly, people were arguing, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, but playoff start different team Draymond Green Kevin Durant Clay Thompson is LeBron is LeBron okay but after LeBron that Cavs team is bad yeah but okay but uh, let me just focus on Steph here I'll get off in a second but he's coming off four ankle sprains and what I'm telling you is they don't need him to be the best team I understand okay 
So and whatever so you tell me about Steph doesn't fully like uh, affect uh, how uh, I think about okay, this. Okay, so we have a fundamental disagreement in that the Warriors need Steph Curry, and it, I'm not going to change your mind there. But coming off a knee surgery, it's it's not like I, you're coming I'm, off I'm an not ankle. Saying, I'm not saying they don't need him. No question he makes them a significantly better team. They go from being a borderline favorite to the full-on favorite if he is healthy and ready to go. Having said that, I'm still not prepared to back against the Golden State Warriors without Steph gone. For me, as I've said many, many times, they are innocent until proven guilty with the team they have. They are outrageously good. Playoff Kevin Durant is a joke. Draymond Green is a joke. Clay Thompson, not a bad third option to have. They're they're just really, well, really good. You know, I feel like we've forgotten how good this team is because they aren't trying right I, now. I, I'm, I'm just, I'll leave it at I'm skeptical that they can just flip the switch and everything is going to work out rosy for the Warriors considering everything they've gone through this season. If they do it, I'll, I'll hats off to them. But, but everything that's happened in the season and, we're, and you're telling me that LeBron's going to cruise through with a crappy Cavs team that have been hobbled, been awful through most of the regular season, I'll, I'll, and somehow this doesn't apply to the Cavs, but it does apply to the Warriors? Well, well the Golden, first of all, Cleveland's playing great basketball. I mean, they've been rolling. Yeah, for a week. Well, no. They, I, I would say for since the trade happened, for the most part, they've been on a roll. And... and and all I'm saying is like everything's turning. It may not work out for them, but with Stepford, Kyrie Hurt, and, and the way they've reworked the roster, like going in the playoffs as far as I'm concerned, nothing could have worked out better for LeBron. Not, he, he may not win it, but the scenarios that have painted themselves, this, this is incredible how it's turning out. Topic three, who do you think is going to be the biggest surprise of the NBA playoffs? Give me, give me an upset in round one. Give me somebody that's standing at the end of the line. I, I, I wrote down Milwaukee and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, I love the talent up there, and we don't know where the Bucks are going to be seated, and we don't know really where anyone's going to be seated except for the Rockets are one and the Warriors are two and Toronto's one in the East, but, uh, and Boston's two. So who knows? But there's, there's the Bucks. I, to me, Houston, if they, it, 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 I suppose it's not a surprise, but to me it will be if they actually are this good in the playoffs and make it through to the finals and, and get by Golden State. That, to me, would be a stunner. Um, and it would be a stunner for me if Toronto went through. Like, all that would be stunning. So, or the Sixers. I mean, who do you, who do you, who do you think actually is primed to do something special here? The, the favorites. I mean, I know it's boring. I, it's hard to look beyond the best teams. If I am doing that... I'm intrigued by a Wizards-Toronto first-round matchup. John Wall back healthy, getting back up to speed. The Wizards have been really inconsistent and not that good this season. But talent-wise, that's a team that could go to the finals, the uh, the Eastern Conference finals, sorry, yeah. not the NBA finals. So the Wizards, I'm sort of like, eh, this, is, this is the sort of team that could maybe, if everything goes right, flip a switch in the playoffs. Yeah. In the West, I think you're being way too hard on Houston. I, I mean, where is this doubt coming from for you that they're not going to show up in the playoffs? It's, it's coming from years of watching James Harden go out in ugly ways and just dispirited. But and- this is also just clearly the best team he's ever it, played on it is but to to rewind back to where we we're just at i mean you still love golden state even, yeah so i do so and, the, I, and i think it's because golden state aren't trying but again you know i think houston are going to cruise to the finals i think you think you, houston's going to cruise to the finals? so i mean the western conference finals oh, okay, I, okay, my apologies okay, okay. i think they're i think they could sweep the first two rounds okay i think after those two the west is a collection of deeply flawed teams that are all kind of shooting themselves in the foot at the same time. Um, and I think it's going to be Golden State-Houston in, in the Western Conference Finals. 
If Steph is still out by then, I think it's interesting. I lean in Golden State's direction, but I, I certainly think it's an interesting series. And, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm too new school in this approach, but I just don't buy this sort of choking thing about James Harden not showing up in the playoffs I, 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 I or Chris Paul not showing up in the playoffs. I, these are these are big-time players. You don't win the games they've won this season without being serious big-time players. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see that series. That, to me, is still the headline of the playoffs, this Houston-Golden State matchup in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, and I don't mean to be saying choking. I'm just saying when defenses in the playoffs gear up and, and really strategize how they're going to cover Harden, they cause a lot of problems for him that tent it, it changes for him in the playoffs now I'm not saying he, he's not going to have some big moments here but come playoff time I I still don't believe I don't but I don't, that's the thing they have so many weapons right if you go to Harden there's four knockdown three-point shooters spacing the floor right and he is better at finding them than anyone in the league other than probably LeBron if Houston's in the finals I'll be surprised who do you who do you like between to get at least second round Pelicans Spurs. It's one of these teams. It's gonna, a mess. It's ugly there. Pelican Spurs, Utah. One of these teams is going to be here. Minnesota. Hopefully you guys get in tonight there. I would actually, you know, I'm super depressed about this Timberwolves team as a fan. I think it's embarrassing that it's, it's taken them the last game of the season and it's still up in the air with the talent on that roster. They should be an easy 50 win team. And I think it's a pretty sad indictment of the management there that, they're even on the fringe and they might not make the playoffs. So I'll say that about Minnesota. Having said that, their record against their rivals in the West is exceptionally good. The reason they're in this position is because they can't beat these crappy tanking teams. They lost to Memphis last week. If they didn't lose that game, they would not be in this position. That is, that is horrific. You know, that is not a good look. Jimmy getting hurt did not help. It but. didn't help. But, even, I mean, you can't lose to Memphis whether no, I agree. Jimmy Butler or anybody else is playing. They're right. trying to lose, like you just said earlier. Right. Uh, so having said that, though, very good against the better teams. Really good record against the Thunder. Really good record against um, against those other teams in the West. And if it comes to a seven-game series, they could still finish as high as, I think, fifth seed. So, you know, they would, I think, be a serious threat to make the second round. I like Utah a lot. like Rudy Gobert. like Ricky Rubio. I, I think that's a really fun team. Donovan Mitchell as well, obviously, you know, lights out this season. Um if I'm picking two, and we don't really know the seeding, so it's hard to say exactly, but if I'm picking two, if the Wolves make it, I'm going to say the Wolves, and I'm going to say say Utah. All right. But they could play each other, I, so hey, who knows. I, I would love to see Minnesota get through. Let, let's, uh, let, let's switch over to, to baseball here, and uh, if you've been paying attention, there was 900 people at a White Sox game this week. Now, it was moved from 710 at night to 110 because there was snow and freezing cold. The Yankees have been in snow. Minnesota's been playing in 35-degree weather. The season, everybody knows the season's too long. I have a solution for baseball. and the cold. Actually, I have three solutions. Okay. You want to hear, here's my three solutions. Number one, because you always try to play in warm weather in the first month anyway. Just play the first month in Florida and Arizona. The crowds that you're going to get there are going to be very comparable to April in, in most northern cities. And you can still have your big opening day on May 1. So just stay in Arizona that's, and Florida and let's, let's, and let's play down there. You could fly back and forth National League, American League games. That's, you know, whatever, you're on a flight. We're going to Florida. We'll be there. That's one solution. Number, solution number two, 
get rid of the All-Star game or at least move it to the end of the season, like after the playoffs. I don't care. That whole week in the middle of the season, at least I'm going to get a week. You back it up. Nobody cares about the All-Star game. I know it's a, you know, it's a great celebration. Just get rid of it. That's one more week where you cannot move because they're not going to come off 162. That's my solution. Number two. All right, and number three, very simple. Can we, can we get you? Got, they don't do double headers anymore. That's fine. Just let's just do the day night double header. Let's throw it every Sunday. Let's have a day night double header or every Friday, maybe Friday night games. Right, that would be sweet. Let's play double headers. You can expand the rosters those days. You can bring up three guys from the minors who will be your relievers. So yet, and, and just throw those are my three solutions. More double headers, back the season off. Play in Arizona. I like that one the most for the whole month. Florida, or just get rid of the All Star game. Play it. I, th- I think the last one is the only one that's even remotely feasible. I mean, you mentioned you're going to get better crowds in Florida. In Arizona, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure that I fully buy that. I mean, certainly the White Sox, those crowds, 900. not a good advertisement for major league baseball but also this is a bad team it's the, it's the sort of worst case scenario for what baseball can look like in april when the weather is cold but you know in terms of just stadium ownership ticket price deals in these spring training venues they're not as big as major league stadiums most of them seat like 15 exactly good enough but i mean even so i just i if it makes it's very difficult for me to imagine that a lot of teams are going to agree to that sort of thing i mean they still generate big revenue from having people in their stadium they sell tickets and people don't show up but they still sell tickets you know people buy those tickets they can price season tickets more expensive because they have all these extra games and changing it you know, baseball as a sport generally is quite resistant to change. And I think something that radical is just a non-starter, basically. Um, Would you agree that, this, that something should be done? I'm not sure I March do. March 29th. I'm not, I'm not sure I do. I, I can see pushing the season back, adding some extra doubleheaders. But this idea that baseball is a warm weather sport just doesn't really stack up to me when the showpiece event of the sport is nicknamed the Fall Classic. Like... Fall baseball is something we love. Postseason, yeah, but- fall baseball, cold weather, we love it. We get jacked up for it. It's the best baseball of the year. You know, and they're playing in Cold City, Chicago, and last year. The Indians have been to the World Series. You know, Astros in L.A. last year, those are warm weather places. But, you know, almost every year we see important baseball, the most important baseball of the year, the most well, you know, televised and sold out baseball of the year we see in which is why cold venues which is why i think they should move the world Series and also to, i just don't really buy this idea that 35 degrees that's not cold come thir- on okay i live here I, you, I walk around in it every day it's you want to go bad. sit out there in 35 degrees and watch baseball again no you don't i'll answer no, the question. I don't. right but some people do no and no, no they really them. don't they really don't there's like seven of them out there i don't know play the season that's i don't think 162 games is fine that's part of the charm of the baseball season you well, know all right. watching this every day just an absolute slog let's wrap up with shohei otani as we go out here on baseball see great story from an early start to the baseball season. that's true playing in warm weather he had a perfect game into the seventh inning against oakland he's two and oh He's got an area of 2.08. He struck out 18 batters. He's got seven hits. He's got seven RBIs. He had a home run in three straight games. His tops rookie card value has gone up $5,000 to over almost seven grand now. 
This guy, I don't know where it's going, but if nothing else happens in baseball all season long, this dude is a, is a, a tremendous story. Like Babe Ruth esque the whole thing. This is it's really amazing. Shohei Otani, I love it. Yeah, we were before the season when we did our preview. I said, and I think you agree with me. If this was any other guy, he would have been sent to AAA after the spring training. He has any other rookie on that contract who had that spring training, and and it wasn't just people being like, oh, he was whiffing. I mean, scouts are talking about concerns about his, you know, swing, his all his approach, you know, this deeply technical stuff. Everyone's freaking out. And just immediately settles in, looks like the best player in baseball. I, I think they're going to figure him out at the plate. I'm going to stick with that. I don't like his swing, but I'm not a baseball scout, so I probably can be wrong about this. The pitching, if he, I mean, I, I, if his arm stays healthy and doesn't fall off, I think, yeah. I mean, the stuff's nasty. That, I just, I, I, all I want for him is there's going to be a slump. He's not going to continue this level because, I mean, no one can. He's small, also going up against the A's. Small sample size, exactly. He's also going up against the A's. A lot. When when the slump comes, I'm going to say it's going to be severe, but even just when the numbers dip a little bit, you know, let's not just all turn on the guy. Because, like you said, even if the baseball season ended right now, this would be an amazing thing. He's breaking records that we haven't seen since the 30s in Babe Ruth. It's that a, is outrageous. You it, know, That is something everyone should be on board with. Everyone should be a Shohei Otani fan. And even if you're not, good for him for being like the first good teammate Mike Trout has had in five years. So everybody, everyone's a winner down there. Covered a lot on today's show. We fixed tanking. No, we didn't. We told you that Cleveland's going to win the NBA title. No, they won't. We said that Minnesota's going to be a huge surprise in the NBA playoffs. <laughs> if they make it. We eliminated uh, a month of the baseball season. And not eliminated, but we have it play in Arizona. These are all my thoughts, obviously. I don't like any of your thoughts. And Shohei Otani's God. It's great to be with that, you. I agree with that. We'll, we'll see you next week. Wednesdays at noon on the market. Thanks for checking us out on iTunes as well. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.